Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Thank you, Craig. He uh, dryly said to me, you don't get me praying for you. <laughs> I like to think it's because you were on your knees last night, just like praying in spirit that, you know, today would go well. So thank you. Um, guys, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are we feeling this morning? Bit chilly, bit cold, a little bit out of it. We are at the end of our acronym for SHAPE, S-H-A-P-E. We are on the final letter of SHAPE this morning for our sewing the Seeds series. And it's something which we as a church, as we have kind of been going through this, has been a little bit of a taster for the course, which is going to be coming up next month. You might be thinking, hold on, we're like finishing it today and the shape course is in a month's time. That has been intentional so that now that we've gone through the five letters of shape, you can start thinking, you know what, I'm going to prioritize the 31st of July in my calendar. I'm going to pop it in. It's one Sunday afternoon and it should be a really great time to help us greater discover how we're going to use our gifts, our spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personality, and today now our experience, I think that mic's still on, yep, um, to really figure out how to use what God has given us, the position that God has placed us in uniquely, not just me, but also Josh and Jay, you know, also Morris. I could name everybody, but that would be the sermon. But essentially what we want to be knowing is how God is going to use each of us uniquely. And we're going to be looking at experiences today. Because ultimately, as we're going through this shape course, I think a big goal that we want to have is how we are going to mature spiritually right? That's what we all want, right? We all want to be spiritual adults. Ultimately, we want to be spiritual adults, not spiritual infants, which what do I mean by that? Well, my son George, for instance, he's five months old now. He's beautiful. He's an infant. So he's allowed to be an infant. He is very focused on what he needs, on the food he needs, on the sleep he needs, on the warmth he needs. He's very self-focused and he needs to be as an infant because as an infant, if you're not that, well, then, you know, you don't really survive in nature, right? That's the whole idea. But as we grow older, we are able to mature in our spirituality and able to stop being self-focused and start being more and more outwardly focused into our community into the kingdom that God wants us to be building. And ultimately, if we ignore our experiences, right, if we ignore the experiences that we've had in our life, we are going to remain ignorant and we are going to stagnate in our maturity and we'll probably end up regressing, you know. I don't want to sort of cast any dispersions, but I think we could probably all think tragically of somebody in our spiritual walk that we have known of who was on fire for Christ, right? Who was passionate, who was fiery, who was doing the Lord's work. And suddenly, for whatever reason, they plateaued and then have regressed in their faith. It's a very real thing that can happen, isn't it? And it's something that we want to be ensuring as we are moving forward individually and as a congregation, that we're not stagnating, that we're not regressing in our faith and even going from a spiritual adult or a spiritual adolescent back to a spiritual infant. So this is why experience is so important. I'm just trying to set the groundwork for why today as we look at experience, it is so vital to our faith because it not only ensures that we personally continue to grow, right, which is our vision for the church for this year, 
that we grow ourselves personally, that we grow as a congregation, but also is going to ensure that we don't regress. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for each person in this room and each person watching online, whether it's live or later, and people listening on the podcast after, Lord, I just pray that wherever they are right now, that they would know that your spirit is with them. Lord, I pray that as I speak this morning, it would not be my words, it would be your words speaking through me. Anything that isn't from you, Lord, let it just fall to the floor. And anything that is from you, let it plant a seed in people's hearts and grow into something that will bear fruit. God, just be with us now. We give this all over to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to look at first a tiny verse in James. James starts his book by, or his letter, I should say, by giving us this really interesting image. He says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Right? And But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. See, if we examine ourselves through God's Word, right? If we examine ourselves through either listening to sermons, reading the Bible, praying and allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to us, and then we walk away and don't allow that to inform the way that we think, the way that we speak, the way that we act, well, ultimately... It's been absolute waste of time, hasn't it, right? And like, imagine if you were to go to university and study medicine for seven years, and then, you know, seven years later, you're on a plane, someone's having a heart attack, anyone yells, is anyone a doctor? And you're just like watching Shawshank Redemption eating peanuts. Like, you have completely wasted all of that experience, all of those lessons that you've learnt along the way. And likewise, if we're going to keep on reading the Bible, if we're going to keep on listening to sermons, if we're going to keep on praying, we need to be ensuring that we're a applying these experiences. What a waste if we don't. What a waste. And if we're unaware of our experiences, then we will be wasting them. We will not be growing into spiritual maturity. So I want to look at three different types of experiences this morning. I want to look at position. So where has God uniquely placed you? I want to look at qualification. So what are your unique gifts and training? So think of that as material and like in the material realm and also in the spiritual realm, your spiritual gifts and your qualifications in the earthly realm. And also your history. What is your unique lived experience? No one else has lived your life. Only you have. And we're going to look at how these three things, when they're actually applied, when they're implemented and when we're aware of them, are going to help us grow, are going to help us reach spiritual maturity and ensure that we don't regress into spiritual infants. So first I want to look at the power of being aware of our position. And I want to look today, throughout these three things, at the story of Joseph from Genesis. And essentially what we see at the start of Joseph's story in Genesis 37 is he is painfully unaware of his position. He is painfully unaware of his position and it leads to hurt for both him and others. Let's see what it looks like. So in Genesis 37, 2-4, this is the account of Jacob's family line. It's the first time we hear of Joseph. Joseph, a young man, he's only 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. So his half-brothers, his father's wives, uh, sons, his half-brothers. And he brought their father a bad report about them. So he's snitching on his half-brothers, you know. I imagine there was probably a bit of tension in that family already. 
because he was born to Rachel, Jacob's favorite wife. He was a bit of a favorite son. And now he's snitching on his half-brothers. Maybe not the wisest thing to do. Maybe not the wisest way to look after the position of privilege that God had put him in. And this is what it happens. So Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him both in his old age and to Rachel. It doesn't mention there. He'd been born both in his mother and his position in, his, in the age order of his family had given him great privilege. Hadn't done anything to earn that himself. Unmerited privilege. So his father decide to make an ornate robe for him. Way to go, Jacob. Way to put a target on their favourite son's back. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. See, Joseph's unique experience is something that he's completely unaware of. He's got unmerited privilege from his father because of who his mother was and his birth order, something he hadn't earned himself. And I think that we can probably all admit that there is privilege, innate privilege in each of our lives. It's a unique shared experience that we have living in the hills in 2022, right? That is an innate, unmerited privilege that we have in the material realm. And when we're not aware of that, we're going to be unfavorable to others. Straight up, we are going to be so unfavorable. If we're complaining, if we're unthankful, we are going to be so unfavorable to others because an unawareness of position makes us unfavorable to others. When we ignore the favor that the Father has shown us, God, not Jacob, God, we become unfavorable to others. Because not only do we have immense privilege in the material realm, we have oh, just unending, unmerited privilege in the spiritual realm. Right? We have unearned salvation through the blood of Christ for those who have given our lives to him and have chosen to follow Jesus. We have eternal life. We have salvation. We have freedom. That is unmerited privilege. And when we are going to be completely unaware, completely thankless about that privilege, we're going to be so unfavorable to others. And we see this in Joseph's story. Awareness of our position helps us to check our privilege. It helps us to be thankful for what we have and it's going to ensure that we don't become unfavorable to others. I know it sounds like a bit of a weird idea, but as Christians, don't we want to be strangely attractive to others? I'm not talking about the physical. I'm not talking about how witty or smart we are. I'm talking about people seeing something different in us and being strangely attracted to it. And if we're not aware of that privilege or just disregard it, we're going to be so unattractive to others. Being aware of our position checks our privilege. But when we are unremembering of the favor the Father has shown us, we become unfavorable to others. I want to look at the next thing that Joseph also is unaware of, and that's his qualification. See, what happens is when we are unaware of our position, we end up hurting others, we end up frustrating others, we end up becoming unfavorable to others. But when we're unaware of our qualification, our gifts become an asset instead of a liability. Oh, sorry, become a liability instead of an asset. When we are unaware of our gifts, they become a liability instead of an asset. Let me explain what I mean. So Joseph has this great privilege, right? He's the favorite son. 
of his father. He has this ornate robe, completely unmerited privilege, but he also has profound qualification from God, the spiritual father. See, he has this undeniable anointing of prophecy on his life. This undeniable anointing of prophecy. He has this undeniable gifting of administrative skills on his life that we see later in his story ends up saving the nation of Egypt, ends up saving the wider region of the Middle East. He has this undeniable anointing on his life. And yet, at the start of the story, he doesn't know how to use his qualification. He doesn't know how to use his gift of prophecy properly because he's unaware of the value of experience. Let's look at Genesis 37, 5 to 11. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. See, instead of Joseph seeking wisdom about this dream from God, he seeks wisdom from his brothers, which creates more resentment creates more hurt. Instead of his gift being an asset, it's a liability because he is not yet trained. He's not yet refined in this gifting. And we see he doesn't even learn from this experience that his brothers hate him all the more because then, verse 9, he had another dream and he told it to his brothers again, you know, because the last dream sharing went down so well. And he goes, listen, I had another dream and this time, not just some grains, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers grew jealous and even more hateful of him because he hadn't refined this gift of prophecy and it was becoming an asset rather than, oh, sorry, a liability rather than an asset. I'm glad I'm keeping people awake by getting that around the wrong way. See, when we lack spiritual maturity, our gifts become liabilities instead of assets. We're like a spoiled 18-year-old. Our father has just bought us a new sports car, and we don't know how to use it right, so it becomes dangerous to us and others, right? You've seen a red P play to drive in a car they shouldn't be driving. You You didn't earn that car. That was an unmerited gift, and you are being so dangerous with it. You are being a liability with that gift because you don't have the experience. You don't know how to use it yet. You haven't allowed experience to refine the gift that you've had. See, because being aware of our experience doesn't just inform our attitude towards others, it informs how we use our gifts. Being aware of our qualification refines our gifts. And see, Joseph's undeniable prophetic gifting on his life ends up being refined as he allows experience to start to inform the way he uses it. You know, you could be the most supernaturally gifted prophet, healer, cook, teacher, evangelist, healer, administrator. But if you don't practice, you won't grow. If you don't listen to feedback, you won't grow. If you refuse to learn from your experience, you won't grow. And you'll end up regressing. You'll end up regressing. Because as we stagnate, we then regress. If we're not moving forward, we're moving backward, right? It all comes back to experience. Because 
This is what happens at the start of Joseph's story, right? He's unaware of his position. He's unaware of his qualification. He becomes unfavorable to others. His gifts become liabilities. He's not well-practiced. He ignores history, and he doesn't learn from his experiences. So his brothers strip him of this special coat. They sell him to slave traders, and he winds up down in Egypt, falsely imprisoned and forgotten about, rotting away in a prison. See, what happens is when we ignore our experiences, we end up lost. We end up feeling in a foreign world, having an identity crisis, not knowing our place, feeling hamstrung. But thankfully, Joseph does start learning. Joseph does start seeing the value of being aware of his experience. See, in Genesis 40, 5 to 8, while Joseph is in prison for being falsely accused of assaulting a woman, he's in prison with Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker. And one night, both Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker have a dream. And each dream had its own meaning. And when Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. And they replied, we both had these dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams, oh, sorry, interpreting dreams isn't my half-brother's business. Well, as he say, interpreting dreams is God's business. So he's allowed his experience to refine his gift. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. See, when Joseph was young, he listened to the wisdom of his brother's to interpret his dreams. But now he's got experience, he instead relies on the wisdom of God. That's the power of experience. It refines your gifts, it endows you with wisdom, and it returns you to God. That's the fruit of recognized experience. But that's not all. Joseph is able to flourish into full spiritual maturity when he's able to appreciate history, his history, his unique experience, the good and the bad for the benefits of God. See, Joseph recognized by the end that God uses all experience for good. He could choose to be full of resentment towards his brothers easily. I I think none of us would begrudge Joseph for being a bit resentful that his brothers threw him down abandoned well and sold him to Ishmaelite slave traders. Like, yeah, that's a pretty fair reason to hold a grudge, but he doesn't choose to hold on to a grudge. He doesn't choose to hold on to resentment. He doesn't allow the bad things, the evil, the persecution in his life to stunt his spiritual growth. Instead, he sees that it was all for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, at the end of the story, Joseph is the most powerful man in Egypt. Pharaoh has said anything that you want to do, All power goes to you because he's finally used his prophetic and administrative gifts properly. And now suddenly he's in a great position of power and influence and privilege where his brothers suddenly a little bit scared. They're like, do you think Joseph maybe remembers how we sold him to slave traders? Do you think he might maybe now that our dad's just passed away want to, I don't know, seek vengeance? 
Genesis 50 says, Now that Jacob, their father, was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. Jumping forward to verse 18, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. Kind of like sheaves of grain, right? All bowing down. We are your slaves, they said. Which is a pretty provocative term to use in Egypt. (laughs) We are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? See, he recognizes his position now. It's under God. (laughs) Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. See, when we are aware of the value of our history, it allows us to learn our lesson. In this moment, Jesus, uh, Joseph becomes an archetypal Jesus figure because through his suffering, through his evil that he's suffered, through the misfortune and slander and persecution, he's able to enact the expansion of God's kingdom. Through his suffering, he's able to save Egypt from famine. He's able to save the wider nations from famine. He's able to save his family and he's able to protect the family line of Jesus, the line of Judah. See, this is what happens when we're able to recognize the value of our experience. We're able to be more like Jesus. (laughs) Just as 1,700 years later, Jesus would suffer evil on a cross to bring freedom, life, and liberty for all those who accepted the gift. This is what Joseph is doing right now, all the way back in Genesis 50. Joseph sees all of this experience has amounted to a blessing of many nations. Only when he becomes aware of the power and value of experience is he able to do this. He's able to become like Christ, to show love to his brothers, use his gifts well, and acknowledge his place in God's story. Because all things are for good. This is what Paul writes in Romans 8.28. I want to just finish with this verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I might call the band back up. Let's not look in a mirror this morning and walk away. Not allowing this to inform the way we think, the way we speak, and the way we act. Let's look at this mirror this morning. And let's allow it to change something moving forward. I want to encourage you guys today that this shape course that we're going to be doing, this is going to help show you how to be used wisely for God's kingdom. I can't encourage you guys more to register, to get on board, to get amongst it. This is how we're going to see growth personally and in this community. Because when we're aware of our experiences, it allows us to extend love to others through experiencing our position. It allows us to use our gifts well and allows us to acknowledge our place in His story. Let me pray. God, I want to thank you 
for the story of Joseph. I want to thank you that it starts with him as a 17-year-old who is completely unaware of his experience. And it ends with a man who is able to bless nations through you. God, I want to pray for hearts which are hurting in this congregation this morning, for hearts that are lamenting, who are crying out, God, why? Why am I experiencing this pain right now? Why am I experiencing this evil, this persecution, this harshness in my life? Lord, I just pray this morning that as we go back into worship, your spirit would minister to each of those hurting hearts. Reveal how you make all things for good. God, you are the ultimate storyteller. You are the author of life. You use all things for good. Lord, I pray that if there's people who are wrestling this morning with experiences in their own life, they feel are too big to continue carrying alone, that they would be drawn up the back to seek prayer, they'd be open to the ministering of your Holy Spirit into their lives. God, that they would see that the answer is to look to Christ. That Christ, you gave the perfect example of what it means to experience suffering for a greater good. Would you be with us now as we worship? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.